Find you, but he picked you up, wrapped his arms all around you, amen, led you to his fold, amen. Every praise is to our God, every word of worship in one of 
situation and everything we go through and amen we just want to thank him that he never fails I want to remember sister Janice Adams in prayer she'd been sick with a virus for several days I remember brother Joe Adams and sister Jessica and part of the family that may be with them I'm not sure who all, who all went but amen just ask the Lord to be with him today as he ministers I want to remember sister Jeannie Camp in prayer, she had a surgery this week. Understand to remove the cancer and things that's in her body, and so recovering from that. Been in a lot of pain, but I know he's a pain taker. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. He's everything that we have need of. Brother Jonathan asked for prayer for his grandson T.J. Needs a touch from the Lord today. How many would just say, Father, come by my way and minister to my heart today? touch my life. I, I need a touch today. And amen. If you invite him to your pew, he always comes where he's invited. And so I believe we can have that confidence today to, amen, to, to go to him in prayer, believe in what we ask, we shall receive. Amen. Brother Aaron, if you'd come and open our service in prayer. great sense of all lord lord knowing that as we come in this place and gather together bringing our licks of fire lord 
Lord, that you promised that you, the great King of glory, would come down and be in our midst. Lord, you said when we gathered that you would come and, and, and that you would walk these aisles. You would deal with hearts. Lord, and we come with great expectation, Lord, and, and confidence this morning, Father, knowing that your word is true and that you never fail. Lord, and so knowing that even now, Lord, that, that you are here, we just want to, Lord, submit our thinking, submit our hearts, submit everything that would hinder this service and lay it aside just now and allow you to begin to move. Lord, allow you to, to, to deal with hearts, allow you to deal with situations. Lord, because in your presence, wonderful things happen. Lord, in your presence, healings take place and, and salvation and deliverance, Lord. And Lord, just help us all this morning once again to have our mind restored. Lord, let the mind of Christ, Lord, be in us. Father, as we walk through this world and, and there's evil on every hand and there's, there's different ways of thinking, Lord, and, and we get influenced. May today, may we come back centered on you, centered on the word, centered on our goals, centered on our purpose, Lord, and allow you to have the preeminence in this time, Lord. Lord, you, the request that we've read this morning, Lord, Lord, I just pray that you would move for, for, for our sister, sister Adams, who's been sick, and, and Lord, for Brother Jonathan's grandson, Lord, that you would just touch him and his body. Lord, and Aunt Jeannie that's had this surgery, Lord, we're so thankful for, for the reports that all has been positive. But, Lord, we just ask that you'll take the pain away now and restore strength, Lord. And, and Lord, just drive out any lingering elements of, of that disease that's in her body. Lord, that once again, Lord, you will reign supreme over that demon of cancer. Lord God, we'll have another testimony of your glory and your power. Lord, for truly you are mighty and you are wonderful, Lord, and you are still moving. And Lord, may it, Lord, just uh, never fail to ring forth from this church, Lord, that there is a living God. There is a mighty God, Lord, that still heals and saves and sets free. Father, make yourself known to us this morning. Lord, move in a mighty way. May, may we also remember Brother Ron right now, Lord, that you'll continue the miraculous in him. Lord, you've brought him such a long way, but Lord, we're looking to a finished work. Lord, a complete deliverance, and we're trusting in you for that. Now, Lord, as we look to you for this service, Father, Lord, may you just come take Brother Tim completely out the way and just use his body, Lord, his voice, and, and speak to us, Lord. And, Lord, not only him, but anoint us. And let us lay aside, Lord, any tiredness or any thinking of last week or next week and, and focus in and anoint our ears to receive the word today, Father. Lord, that we can be lifted up once again in heavenly places. Father, we love you. We submit everything into your hands, Lord. Lord, may your name receive glory during this time, Father. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Why don't you turn around, shake one of his hands, welcome each other to the house of the Lord. Ask the brothers to take up the offering. It was a great thing that he did for me. Amen. The Lord has brought me through all of my trials. When I fail. Hey! 
Rejoicing night and day. Amen. How many's got rejoicing in their heart this morning? Amen. Why do you rejoice? Because you still see the hand of God in your life. Hallelujah. The comforter abides. I'm thankful we have a God who don't just come now and leave and come now and leave, but he comes and abides. I'm rejoicing night and day as I walk the narrow way for the hand of God in all my life I see. And the Yes, the secret all exists that the comforter abides with me. Oh, he abides. He abides. Hallelujah, he abides with me. I'm Once I had no peace within Till I heard how Jesus died Oh yeah Then I fell down at his feet And there came a peace so sweet Now the comforter Oh he abides Yes he abides Hallelujah he abides Oh, 
fear the war I will not fear the storms My help is on the way My help is on the way Oh my God He will not delay My refuge and strength So we'll rest in you. I will not fear the war, and I will not fear the storms. My help is on the way. My help is on the way. And oh, my God, He will not delay my refuge and strength.
Amen. Don't worry, your help is on the way. Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And let's just worship the Lord as we turn to the Word. Amen. 
He's a roaring lion or like a roaring lion seeking those whom he may devour. But God said it ain't over. Don't matter what the devil said about us. God said the promise, every promise is ours. And we're going to have every promise. We're going to take our mountains. Amen. We're going to take our young people. We're going to leave here. We're not going to leave any behind. We're going in a rapture. It's rapture time. And it's over for the devil and it's over for him, but it ain't over for us. So he's right. It's over. Devil, it's over for you. But it ain't over for me. It ain't over for this bride. Amen. It ain't, hey, it'll never be over. We're eternal beings. We came from God. We're going back to God. And blessed be the name of the Lord. We're pressing ever onward. Amen. God bless you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. And see your smiling faces and the rejoicing in the Lord and being a part of the body of Christ is so wonderful. Amen. I tell you, God is so good to us. His blessings never fail. Amen. So enjoyed all of the specials this morning and songs that were sung to the Lord. I believe he enjoyed it. You know, it's something about it when he just comes down and meets with us, speaks to us. And I believe he'll do that this morning. You come with a need in your heart. Why, you know, he's the kind of God that discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. Amen. There's no need to get freaked out about it when you come to church and your conversations are repeated or things you were praying about or thinking about. Because the word of God is still a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Amen. So he'll just come right down and things that you've talked about and questioned, wondered about, he'll answer those questions. Amen. We should come with that kind of expectation, knowing God's going to move. Amen. Because he's moving. He said, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. My sons and my daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. But here we are in this last day and we're a recipient of the final pouring out of God's spirit. And I just want you today to lift your cup up to God and say, Lord, I'm going to make room for you. I want you to fill me to the uttermost until I'm overflowing. As the old song says, until I'm drinking out of my saucer, it's running over. That every blessing is mine. That he's prospering me in every way. Amen. Whatever need that I have, he's a need supplier. He cares about your finances. He cares about your health. He said, I would that you would prosper in health. How much, Lord, even as your soul prospers? You know how well that is. Amen. He wants you to prosper also in your health. He wants to bless you with everything. Yes. We're his children, and we want his correction, and he'll do it. May he do it. Amen. I, I want to be corrected. I, I want to be where that the Holy Spirit can just move me, mold me, make me. God bless you today. Let's bow our heads together. As you bow your heads this morning, maybe there's a need on your heart and life. Maybe there is a question in your heart. Maybe there's a situation in your family Perhaps there's some a friend or situation there. 
And, and I'm speaking to you and those that are online too because even as we speak, healing can come, deliverance can come. Some of our church family is listening in right now. And we want to say God bless you to the different ones that are listening in. I could go and start naming some, but I would maybe forget one. And that might be offensive, but God knows each one of you. And you'll come right down in your home, right where you are. We just let the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit just drop down right where you are right now. As we approach him, lift a hand toward God and say, Lord, now I need you today. Father, as we bow before you, we know that you are the almighty God. You're the God who cares about human needs and human sufferings insomuch that you became a human so that you could experience with us what we go through. And then not only just experience and say, I know how. But, Lord, you would go beyond that, and you would raise up on the third day triumphant over every problem that we have, where that there is no situation that you have not conquered. Lord, we are here today believing for your children. Some of them are at home, and they have needs, Lord. They're physically unable to come. I pray that you'll meet them in a very special way and let healing come into their body, deliverance, whatever the need is. Right here in this congregation, as the word goes forth, as the word goes forth, you said you sent his word and healed them. Lord, it's not just necessary that we lay hands on them. As the word goes forth, may evil spirits leave. May tormenting spirits leave. May questions be answered that have tormented the minds of people and, and unsettled and made that all leave. And oh God, bring us into one mind and one accord. And that one mind and one accord is we want you in preeminence in our lives to have your way, Father. Touch, I pray, your people and meet their needs today. In Jesus' name, we pray. As we would approach your word now, we ask you would anoint it. And not only here, but the extension here of our brother Joe is there in the New Mexico and preaching there at Brother Salazar's. I pray, Lord, that you would just cause an outpouring of the Holy Ghost today in a real and living way. For those that we have been praying about, Lord, ones that, that we have mentioned over and again about cancer and the things that we are battling against, Lord, we know the battle is not ours, it's the Lord's. And today, we just send on the wings of this prayer uh, the, 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 and dropping the atomic bomb there, a prayer upon that situation that they bring healing and deliverance in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, and we appreciate you in Jesus' name. And raise your hands right now to him and just thank him, Lord. Right now we thank you that you have answered our prayers, that you hear us, that you always are with us, that you are breathing life into us right now, Lord, that there's a flow of the Holy Spirit coming, Lord, to, upon the hearer and the speaker alike. And as we sit together, may it be that we're lifted up out of this world's trouble into heavenly places. In Jesus' name, we praise you and thank you right now for every healing, every deliverance, every salvation, every situation that you're the problem solver right now. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it, Lord. 
Amen and amen. Amen. Aren't you glad he's the God of our consolation this morning? God that we know that consoles us. He's got our backs. He understands our needs and is here to supply them. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to read from verse 1 this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and um, I'll read this and, and then and, and maybe um, uh, read a, another translation as well um, as I'm reading along. But 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 1, do we begin again to commend ourselves or need we as some others' epistles that's actually letters of commendation to you, our letters of commendation from you. You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. For you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ. Now, if it's the epistle of Christ, it is the letter of Christ or the word of Christ. So you are manifestly declared to be the word of Christ. Amen. The embodiment of the word, the word made flesh. And ministered by us, and it's not written with ink like what's here on this page, but it is but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone or on paper as we have here, but in the fleshly tables of the heart. God says, you are the word written in your nature. Amen. And, and so he says, you, you show you our letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tables of stone, but on the tablets of human hearts. And of such is the trust we have through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as coming from ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. So let's read that again from verse 4. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, that not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who hath made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Verse 7 now, but if the ministration of death written and engraved in stones was glorious. Think of this, and how glorious it was. My, the mountain shook, the pillar of fire came down, the voice of the Lord spoke, and the thundered from the mountains. And so it was glorious, wasn't it? So he said, if the ministration of death written and engraved in stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away with. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be more glorious? Well, I think if it made mountains tremble and shout and, you know, the voice of the Lord spoke, amen, well, when it's ministered here through the New Testament church, 
Don't you think it would be the same, even more glorious? For the ministration of condemnation is glory much more if the, that the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory for even that which was glorious had no glory in this respect by the reason of the glory that excelleth for in that which is done away with was glory much more that remaineth is glory and let's start back with verse 7 now if this ministry of death carved in letters of stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness was far exceeded in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all. Because of the glory, that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more what is permanent have glory. And then again, we want to read from verse 12. Seeing that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses who put a veil over his face so that his children could not um, of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which was abolished, but their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remaineth untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away with, with Christ, in Christ. For, but even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their hearts. Nevertheless, when they shall turn to the Lord... The veil shall be taken away. Now where the Lord, now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So we'll read that at verse 18 now. But we with all uncovered face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory unto glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Now, I'm going to go back up to verse 12 and read another translation. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. May he add his blessings to his word. I'm going to speak today on the church who is the word. The church who is the word. Amen. Amen. God bless you. As we 
look into the things of God. You know, this, this wonderful message first began with a message of divine healing, which would forerun the restoration of the Word. And as the ministry progressed, the, the message expanded from divine healing of the body to encompass um, to encompass the, a divine healing that brought about a restoration of the Word. In other words, to heal the spiritual body of the Lord. And uh, this restoration of the Word came along with power. Now, this was to bring healing to the body of Christ, establishing the bride of Christ in her homeland. This is why God would do this. He would, he would want to bring healing both physically and spiritually. So I want you to understand God's emphasis in this last day of restoration has been for both the healing of the body and for the healing of the church, the body of Christ. Now, so the physical body and the spiritual body. And it would show the power that of, of, his, of his restoration power by healing the body and what it could do for the body to show he would do the same for the spiritual body of Christ. Now, now, so to preach the full word and full restoration, we must preach the restoration for the soul and the body and the spirit of man. So now, and then it must be also the restoration of Bible truth so that it no longer remains a mystery but revealed truth. Now, within that revealed truth is all the truth. Right here, we are a church. We want to believe all the word, right? Amen. So that's why we believe in shouting. That's why we believe in, in, in the, the gifts of the Spirit, That's why, which includes divine healing and prophecy and everything else. We believe in everything that God said. Amen. Now, so uh, again, and we also believe, and of course, in what in many term is the opening of the word. You hear this terminology, opening of the word. Well, what it was is that, you know, the truths were sealed with seven seals, and God had to open up the, the, and reveal the mystery. This was the third pull or the third part of Brother Branham's ministry. And so, you know, part of his ministry was, was uh, healing. Uh, the other part was prophesying, discerning of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And then the third phase, uh, or phase of his ministry, or third pull, was the opening of the Word, the revealing the Word. He said, I, I must be truthful to this message. It is the third pull. So, so to preach the Word in its full restoration, we must preach the restoration for the soul, the body, and the spirit of man. Now, you know, you cannot just have one and preach just one side and not preach at all. Is that right? In order to be the fully word. We can be partial word. This is what denominations are made of. They, they denominate on part of the word. And so they make their on the part of, of justification. That was the Lutherans. A part of sanctification. That was the Methodists. A part of restoration of the gifts. That was the Azusa movement. But we are a different breed of people. Because we are, we are the epistles of Christ. Or the word of Christ written 
amen, written in human flesh. Now, so within that, that revealed truth that has been revealed in this day, the, the fullness of the word brings us to complete victory and to total deliverance. Now, Brother Branham tells us in the Laodicean church age, he said, it is a fact that the prophet for the last age must be bringing forth a message from God that will forerun the second coming of the Lord. For by his message will the hearts of the children be turned back to the Pentecostal fathers, and with the restoration of the word will come the restoration of the power. So now I want you to understand, it's not a word without power. It is a word, the restoration of the word with the restoration of power. So let's get clear what we have received in day, this day. We have not just received a letter. We have not just received new doctrine. We have received the word. And the word is spirit and it's life. And the word comes with restoration of power along with restoration of the word. You cannot have the, all the word and not have the power. Amen. Now, so there has to be a people in this last day who are the word bride. That's what I'm preaching to you about, the word church or the word bride. And this word bride is one that is one with the word, for they and the word are one. And, and I want you to, I want to get clear where we're at in this day. We are in a full-blown word revival. Amen. If you didn't get that, get it again. We are in a full-blown word revival. The same word that came there in, in, the, in the ushering in of the New Testament has been restored in the last day until we again have Paul's gospel. Amen. But not only Paul's gospel must be here, but it must be accompanied by the power or it is not word. Now, there's a lot of confusion today on that because they, there are many that are claiming to be the word and are powerless. And really, their only weapon is argument. There's no manifestation of God. There's no deliverance. There's, you know, we got to bring in psychologists and whatever else to straighten out our young people and, and, you know, and all kinds of counseling and stuff like that where we're using the minds of men to overcome problems instead of a new birth. Now, the Laodicean church age, Brother Branham tells us, you know, about the condition of the last day. This is a part, this is a portion of the, the lukewarmness that comes in this last day. And it will be a, you know, a chilled attitude toward the word of God in power. Now, it won't be a chilled attitude toward doctrine, necessarily. But it'll be a chilled attitude toward the word manifested in power. Now, again, again, as long as it's lifeless, as long as it's powerless, Satan really don't care. In fact, Brother Branham said, Satan don't care how right you are in your doctrine as long as you miss that life. 
So in the Laodicean church age, Brother Branham tells us this. He said the city was endowed, was rich, endowed with the wealthy. By the wealthy, it was full of culture. Science abounded. How like today, the churches are rich. The worship is beautiful and formal, but cold and dead. Culture and education have taken the place of spirit-given word, and faith has been superseded by science so that man is a victim of materialism. And every attribute ancient Laodicea is found reborn in the 20th century Laodicean age. In the mercy of God, may those who have ear to hear come out of her that they be not partakers of her sins and consequent judgment. So this cold, dead, beautiful, and formal worship has been used, has used the knowledge of the message to supersede faith. Hmm. And it is a tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort of more value than spiritual values. So Laodiceans believes God's blessings are more about the biggest buildings, the most people, the largest crowds. Uh, Intellectual speaking, speeches are very important. You know, even revelations, so-called revelations until it's so lofty and whatever you you spend your heads around. And and of course, and these, these these are more about that rather than, you know, the healing, the miraculous, the power of God. And, and Laodicea is more about the knowledge of the word and receiving the knowledge of the word than the word in power. That's what Laodicea is about. More about the knowledge. Look at, look at the quest for knowledge in our age. See if it ain't happening and mirroring the same way amongst the message ranks. It's about achieving knowledge. And we think in our knowledge, we're saved. And knowledge will not save you. It'll condemn you, but it won't save you. There's only one thing that will save you, and that's the spirit of the word coming upon you and changing your nature, writing the word in your life. That's what's important in this age. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't teach the deeper things of God. That doesn't mean that we don't extol the, the, the great truths of the word. But you don't do that without spirit. And it's, it's worthless without the anointing. Now, Brother Branham said in the message, choosing a ride, don't let the devil ever cool you off from this. Stay right with it until you're ever one filled with the Holy Ghost in so much that you will make you come to this word that will make you women straighten up, that'll make you men straighten up. If you say you got the Holy Ghost and won't cope with the word, it's another spirit in you. God's spirit is on his word, the messianic, the anointed word. The bride must be a messiah. Yet the anointed word. So to be the bride, we have to be the word anointed. The anointed word. That's what a Messiah is. So she must be the anointed word. The, the, uh, the Holy Ghost then must be a boner. It must be more than just a mere confession of faith of I believe. Now that's a creed. 
So, you know, it, it must be a m- more than a mere confession of faith. It must be the word in action. Now, again, it, it must be in action. The bride of Jesus Christ must be Jesus Christ in action on the earth. Not just Jesus Christ, him in action. Now, so Brother Bradham tells us in the token message, the token is the Holy Ghost upon the church that they, that they see Christ. It has to be because a woman and her husband become one. They become one, and so does the bride and Christ become one. The ministry of the bride and the ministry of Christ is the same. Amen. So a bride is going to have his ministry. If she's lacking the ministry of Christ, she ain't the bride. So, well, we're a word church. If you don't have the ministry of Christ, you're not a word church. To be the word, we must be, have the same. We become one. Amen. Come on. Not with just part of it, but with all the word, the ministry of the bride and the ministry of Christ is the same. And he says, remember these former treaties of Theophilus that I wrote to you that Jesus began to do and continues to do. He's quoting the book of Acts. His death didn't stop him. No, sir. He returned again, not a third person, but the same person returned again in the form of the Holy Ghost to continue the work on. And continues on, says the book of Acts, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the token, the Holy Ghost. That's the sign. Now, when Peter and John passed through the gate called Beautiful, there was a man who had been crippled, lame from his mother's womb, said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And they talked to them and knew they were ignorant and unlearned men, but taking notice they had been with Jesus. See, the token was there displaying. Notice now, remember, when you say token, say Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost was there displaying. See, such as I have, seeing a poor fallen brother laying, crippled, disfigured, everything, and the same life that was in Christ was in them, such as I have. In my name you will cast out devils. Now watch this. Not I will, you will. If you say to this mountain, not if I say, if you say to this mountain. Oh, brother, the hour of that token to be displayed is at hand. So it's the hour the Holy Ghost must be displayed. We can see it. We know we're in the end time. We have brought up all kinds of messages to show signs and wonders. And now we've come up back for the, what the church has got to do. The token has to be displayed. So we're in an hour. The Holy Ghost must be displayed. Amen. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. Nothing else will work. It must be the blood. Now, Holy Ghost is our token from God. And, and so... You see, every time in the New Testament, look at the book of Acts. Every time the token, the Holy Ghost came upon the people, it manifested the word in a supernatural way. Amen. Every time the Holy Ghost fell, they manifested the word in power. Look at, look at those that were not manifesting the word in power. They were believers. They had received John as a, as a, with a, as a prophet. 
and, and, and they, they believed that the Messiah was coming, but they had not been baptized in his name. But they had certain beliefs. They were believing, you know, unto the Lord's coming, but had not recognized that he'd come. You know, they, they were believers, and they had missed the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension, and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And yet they believed God sent a prophet. They believed that he was the forerunner. And yet they had missed the coming and the workings of the supernatural. And they would have said, we're we're believers. And Paul said, well, have you had anything supernatural happen since you believed? I know somebody hung up right then. Maybe somebody just clicked the internet off. But you know, there again, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And he said, you see, they they had even recognized the forerunner, but when they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, when they had fully obeyed the word of repentance and baptism, then that entitled them to the token. Then the token or the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they were identified by the works and signs of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues through them and prophesying and magnifying God. They were identified with their sacrifice. Something supernatural happened. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now here again, you see, they had become one with the word by being baptized in his name, filled with the spirit, and then were identified by works and signs of the Holy Ghost. Notice to really be the word, it has to be accompanied with power. It has to be accompanied with the supernatural. Now, so the bride must be one with the word. To be the word bride or to be the bride, she has to be the word, the full word. Now, so we we speak of this. You know, Revelation 19 says the marriage of the Lamb has come. And since God decrees that species must marry species and kind of, must be after its kind, then if Christ is marrying a bride, taking a people for his namesake, then if he is the word, she must be the word. Amen? Now, Brother Branham talks about in the message, birth pains, he talks about the world about to give birth. And we know that it is. Wars are right here upon us. And we have had World War I and World War II, and these have been birth pains. And the world's about to see the final birth pain, and a huge push will come, and there will be a millennium. It's going to be birth to a new earth, a millennial earth. Not the new heavens and new earth, but a millennial earth. And the Christian world is also about to give birth. They're going to give birth to a false messiah. And he'll be religious because he'll sit in the temple of God claiming he is God. Amen. But when the mask is pulled off of him and his wickedness revealed, it'll show it is in Christ at all. Is the Antichrist that is moving. Is everybody with me? So the world is about to give birth to a false messiah. 
And the word is about to bring forth out of its pains a word born bride. So now you got a lot of things that are going on right now. That's why all the birth pains are going on. And Brother Branham tells us in birth pain, the word must deliver the word bride church. The church has got to be delivered out of her a bride for Christ. She is fixing to bring forth the perfect word back there, and the word is coming for the word bride. And a woman is part of the man taken from him, so the church will have to be a word-abiding church, and every word of the Bible, not systems, dogmas, nothing added to it, it'll have to be an unadulterated, pure, virgin word. So this is what God is coming for, is a word bride. Again, he said that his wife has made herself ready at the end of the age. And how did she make herself ready to become his wife? And what does she, what does, she, what does a kind of garment she has on? His own word, she was dressed in his righteousness. So again, again, she is putting on the word. She is dressing in the word. She is the word. The bride is becoming word. The word is becoming flesh. The word is being written in natures. Amen. That, that's why that it's got to be in your nature, in your life, and a change of nature, not just a jump or shout, and the, and the Holy Ghost got up on your spirit realm. But they're written in the life, rewriting the old nature of your life, making a new creation out of you. Things that are to be, Brother Branham talks about this. He said, we must live by the word because the bride is a part of the bridegroom and like any wife is a part of her husband. Therefore, we must be that word bride. And what is that word bride? The manifestation of this hour, the bride. So she's going to be the manifestation of this hour, the bride, not a creed or denomination, but a living oracle of God, a living attribute of God, displaying to the world the attributes of God. Information of the bride that's to be expressed in this hour that we're now living. So, of course, his attributes is going to be righteousness, holiness, purity, right living. Let's get all that first. But there's also healing, tongues, interpretation, prophecy, word of wisdom, knowledge, amen, faith. Everything are his attributes, and the bride must display his attributes. That means, as he says again in this, in the church age book, the last age is going to, going back to manifesting the pure word bride. And that means we will have the word once again as was perfectly given and perfectly understood in the days of Paul. So we will have the word once again. But, but in doing so, we're going to manifest a pure word bride. Now, so the wheat must also mature. And to her, God is sending the prophet messenger with the vindicated ministry that he might be accepted by the elect. They will hear him as the first church heard Paul and she will mature in the word. I think it's about time we were come to maturity. Amen. Until becoming a word bride. 
The mighty works will be found in her that are always attended upon the pure word in faith. So she will mature. This is what she's growing up to be. If you ain't arrived, that's what you got to be. This is the kind he's taken off the earth. Amen. She mature in the word and to becoming a word bride. The mighty works will be found in her that is always attended upon the pure word in faith. So again, again, you if it's the pure word, it also has to produce mighty works. Now, what is meant by the word? Now, this is where I ended last Sunday, and I, I told you I would pick this up again. So what is meant by the word? Before it was spoken, it was spirit. Amen. In the beginning was the word. The beginning of all things started with the word. First thing released out of God was the Logos, the word. Amen. Now, was that a book? Was that a teaching? Was that a form of doctrine? No, it was a person. Out of God stepped forth a person. The person of the word, the Logos. It was the Holy Spirit. And that's why you really can't have the word until you get the Spirit. You see, you can have the knowledge of the word. You can quote the message back and forth, the Bible back and forth. They can do that on a bar stool. They can argue it and fight over it. Are you with me? But you really can't have the word until you get the spirit. Because the spirit is the word. Now, long before the word was written, it was spirit. And long before it was taught by teachers... And from there, would often become a lecture. Long before it became a lecture from a teacher, the word was spirit. And when it is properly taught, I want to get this, it is no longer a lecture and is not an intellectual talk, but it's spirit. And you know, when it goes forth in the spirit, it'll cast out devils. You know, I, I've seen it actually do it physically. You know, where when I was, when I was in Africa preaching there, and, and people would actually fall out there, and, and, and they're under the influence of demon spirits as I preached and were delivered. Because the word itself will cast out devils. Amen. You, many times, you, you know, you've, you've had doubts cast out, fears cast out, unbelief cast out, all kinds of complexes cast out just by the word preached. There's people right here in this building because I was healed while you were preaching or when someone was preaching. Now, when it's properly taught, it's not a lecture, it's not an intellectual talk, but it's spirit. The unveiling of God, Brother Bradham said, uh, Paul speaking here in the sense of spirit word, we are ministers not of the letter, the law, but able ministers of the spirit, that the spirit takes the letter and manifests it. In other words, makes it work. And that was 
just law, that was just law. You had to look at it. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not do this, that, or the other. You had to look upon that. But this is a spirit that comes upon the promised word for this age and brings forth and manifests not two tables of stone, but the presence of the living God. Not a mythical thought somebody made up or some Houdini, a trick, but every promise, the very promise of God revealed and made manifest right before us. So let's go back over it. It's the spirit that comes upon the promised word for this age and brings forth and manifests the presence of the living God, the very promise of God revealed and made manifest right before us. But it, the letter itself will kill. Teaching without spirit, teaching without anointing, or even you call it preaching, without anointing, without spirit. We'll, we'll kill. Dead sermons don't give life. Dead sermons kill. And dead sermons come from dead preachers. Now, so the letter kills. Now, Brother Branham was in California once, and he was talking to this very noted uh, radio uh, preacher and, and um uh, they, I, I guess uh, he was a Baptist, the man was, and, and knowing Brother Branham had come from the Baptist church, he said, well, now Brother Branham, while you're, on the, well, while you're on the West Coast, preach the gospel. And he said, well, I do, brother. Ah, he said, not that divine healing, preach the word. And he said, it's the word I preach, sir. He said, look, Brother Branham. He said, the gospel is the word of God. And I said, well, not altogether, brother. The Bible said the gospel came to us not in word only, but through power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost to preach the word. The letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. And it has to be. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Then, in, then interpret uh, it in Bible forms means go into all the world and demonstrate the power of the word by the Holy Ghost and these signs shall follow them that believe. Today we say, what signs? We go to church, we pay our dues, we teach our, treat our neighbor right. That's wonderful, but that ain't what Jesus said. Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, speak with new tongues, take up serpents, drink deadly things, lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. That's the signs Jesus said. Our ministry has changed it over and said, oh, there's a real believer. I tell you, he loves the Lord. He goes to church every Sunday. He pays his dues at the church. And he treats his neighbor right. And he says, that's his moral acts. The Holy Spirit in the man demonstrates the supernatural. What makes him a believer is God vindicating that he's a believer. Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. So, you know, in some of the next few services, I may get into um, the token and what is token life and, or the life in the Holy Ghost. We're going to find that being a good person and, and one that treats his neighbor right, being a good church member, even a message church member, that's not enough. The life of Christ, the Holy Ghost must 
be on display. Now, you know, I just quoted to you a while ago, you know, of, of uh, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt, you can keep all of them and be lost. These are things you can do through self-will. Exactly right. But again, that's not salvation. Salvation is changing your nature. Where that you don't have this something in front of you, reading it again this morning. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Now get that mind out of that girl at work. Listen, listen. You know, uh, I'm going to get this word right here because I've got to, I, I can't do that. that. That would be a sin. Now, you know, that worked for David for a little bit. He said, I put that as a frontlet of my eyes and I did. I wrote it on my doorpost and, and I worried even I hid it in my heart and I memorized the scripture. And, but when he saw Bathsheba, he went all around that. Why? Because it wasn't written in his nature. If it ever gets written in your nature, you'll never covet another man's wife. You'll never cheat on yours or vice versa, the man, the woman on the man. You see, but it has to be written in the nature. So it isn't, well, I quit smoking. No, it's God taking the desire, desire out of it. Amen. Now, because if you lay them down, you'll pick them up again. Or you're always fighting it, you know. <laughs> yeah, we do. We shun the very appearance of evil. I get all of that. We don't go where that's at. But at the same time, friends, when you really get that changed in you, they can smoke and you can smell all the smoke you want and there can be drink all around or immoral people and whatever else. You're going to look up instead of look at that. You have a different attitude, a different outlook toward it. You don't see her as beautiful and something. You see that as trash and filthiness. Amen. The Bible said her gates is a gates of hell. So you look over there and you don't see Oh, that would be heaven. You say, that would be hell. It changes you. Now, now of course, so you see, it's not, it's not enough to have it even displayed in your home by kicking out trash. It's not enough to have quit smoking or changing your ma- manner of dress. The supernatural must be on display. We, we, brought, we are bought into the lie that the gospel is correct doctrinal teaching and spreading books and tracts. Now, that's the gospel. Well, that's part of it. And we've stressed over and over that here's, here's where, where we've went. We've stressed over and over. Well, you know, many will come to me in that day saying, have not we cast out devils in your name? And, and, and until we get calloused, about doing the works. And so we just focus on having the right doctrine. You see, we have focused on, we can speak with tongues of men and angels and we can have faith to move mountains and have not charity and ignored that we can also know all the mystery and have all knowledge and be without charity. 
Satan has done all he can to make us unbalanced. So we call ourselves a word church because of the doctrine and there is very little or no display of the supernatural. You cannot be a word church and not have the spirit to go along with the truth. To be a word church, we have to fulfill John 14. Remember, the ministry of the Christ and the ministry of the bride must be the same. And John 14, 12 is what? You know, that, that he that believeth in me, the works that I do shall he do also. Is that right? So we cannot be a church unless we are fulfilling and doing the works of God. This is why it must be of importance. We got to bring this off of the back burner, put it on the front, because we've had on the front burner a long time. We, you know, we got the word, we got the message, we got the doctrine, we got the truth. And here's what this is, and here's that, and here. And we fail to bring it all. Now, to be a word church, Brother Bradham tells us in the token message, if he raised from the dead, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said in John 14, 12, he that believeth, not maketh, he that maketh believeth, he that believeth in me, the works that I do shall he do also. Is that right? Someone said, greater shall you do. That's right. And they said, well, we preach the gospel. That's greater. And Brother Bradham said, just do the things he done. And that'll prove it to me. And then we'll talk about the greater. I can show you the greater thing he's doing now than he did on, when he was here on earth. And that's not just preaching the gospel either. That's in signs and miracles. So God expects the bright body to do, be doing greater things than he did. Brother Branham, pick up your pen and write. He said, Christ did not finish his ministry while he was here. So he left certain things for us to do to fulfill his ministry. The ministry of Christ must continue on in the bride. Now, so in Speak to the Rock, he says, this gospel is not altogether the word. This is the word of God, and all things must be based upon the word. If it isn't, it isn't true. But Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He did not say teach the word. He said preach the gospel. So the gospel consists more than teaching the word. For Paul confirming that to the gospel came to us not in word only, but through power. Demonstrations of the Holy Spirit would come and demonstrate the gospel, bring the word to a living reality. And if you receive the word by knowing the word, that doesn't do you any good. The Spirit the letter killeth, the Spirit giveth life. Then you must be born again, and then the Holy Spirit quickens the word to you. In other words, like a grain of corn is laying in my hand, it's just a grain of corn. It'll never be nothing else but bury it. And, and, and then he said it becomes contaminated, molds, and brings up an, another grain of corn just like that. So his whole point is as long as, as, long as it don't come under the moisture of the Spirit, the word just remains like a grain of corn. But to produce itself, it must have the spirit. Now, this is why we must not just have the emphasis on the mechanics. 
we have, which we have done as a message community for the past 60 years, where we emphasize the mechanics, but we also must have the dynamics. It must work. If it's the word, it must produce. Now, Again, he said, in order to preach the gospel before you can make it a gospel preach, then you have to, you got to have the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit to prove the gospel. The letter killeth the word, the letter killeth the spirit, maketh alive. So it's not just a ritualistic affair, it's, but it's absolutely a living reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ living among men. And that's the faith I'm trying to, my best to contend for, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and his Power is unlimited. For if you can limit God, you can limit Christ. And if you can limit the church today of it in its possibilities, you are limited in God. But, but, but all things whatsoever you desire, when you pray, when you believe, you receive it, you shall have it. Uh, he said that I believe it and I know it's the truth. Now, now then, then he goes on and he talks about this. And he said, here's one thing I found about a people with a living faith. They have absolutely caught a hold of something. God out there gives them a new birth that puts God into the person that makes them believe in the supernatural. And if you're not born again, you do not believe in the supernatural. And if you do not believe in the supernatural, you haven't been born again. Because when you're born again, you become a son of God. Being a son of God, you're a nature of God. And then you take on things and you want to see the moving of God and see God move because you're his son. You're made in his image. You're born of his spirit. You're a part of him. And then you got faith for anything. How many wants to be that kind of a church? Amen. Exactly right. And that's what he, that he said. He said, you know, like overseas, he would tell this over and again. He said, I go overseas. And he said, even those missionaries said, don't come to me with a new book. Don't come to us with passing out tracts. We've been doing that for years. We need to see the gospel demonstrated. He said, we, we don't care for more missionaries and new theologies. What we want is someone to take the word of God and make it live. And he said, that's what the world needs today is a manifestation of the Holy Ghost, the resurrected Jesus Christ, putting his being and the power in the church. And that's what the world is wanting to see. And no matter how, no matter how fundamental, how your theology, how you're trained in the Bible, if God doesn't vindicate it, it's wrong and you're wrong. For the letter killeth and the spirit maketh life. So, you know, this is very, very important. To have the word must require the spirit. It must, to be a word church, it must be. It must have power in it. So must my microphone. You got me? Well, they turn that one back on. Turn that one off. All right. We got to have power. That was just demonstrated before you. You see how weak the voice of the word comes when there's no power? Amen. It takes power. Amen. Otherwise, it just 
goes right there. And we want it to live. That's what we live. You know, we, we want it. But what is the gospel? The gospel came not in word only, but through power and demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. If that's the way the word came back then, wasn't that the way the word came here in our day? Then that must be the same thing. The same works must accompany the word bride. Hallelujah. Amen. Then, of course, then he said immediately after that, after he said, preach the gospel. Okay, well, we're going to preach the word, okay? Then he says, demonstrate the word. These signs will follow the real word in my name. Can I say it to you this way? In my stead, I'm going to cast out devils. You're going to cast out devils. In my stead, I'm leaving you to continue my work. I'm filling you with my life, with my spirit, and you're going to continue what I started. Hallelujah. Now, if you see, we, we've had churches, churches down to the ages, but this is where it becomes the bride again. The same bride it was at Pentecost. Now, Brother Branham said they, they that strictly speaking, a man cannot qualify himself as a believer until this has happened. No church can have the right of calling himself a believing church until the signs has followed them. I, I'm quoting your prophet. I guess you believe that. Amen. What he said there, a man cannot qualify himself a believer until this has happened. You know, you're really not a believer until the supernatural comes. Now, I don't care what manifestation he come in. I'm not preaching a certain manifestation. Azusa put it all on tongues. I'm not saying everybody's going to speak in tongues. But there, it will be the manifestation of the supernatural working in your life, proving that you have believed. Amen. No church can have the right of calling themselves a believing church without these signs has followed them. Now, of course, you know, we, we received this message many years ago. Honestly, when I received it back then, I thought rapture was on. We got the word. Glory to God, we got the message. Well, I didn't have 1,100 tapes, but I had maybe 200 if I had that many. And, you know, but we got the message. God's in a prophet. We, got a, we had a messenger in this day. I didn't realize it was a seed. I didn't realize it had to be become flesh. I didn't realize there was more in that seed than me. Because I look out over here and I see many of you, if I went back there in 1970 when I started preaching even, Amen, then, then you wouldn't be in there, but God had more than me in plan. Is that right? Amen, and that word has become flesh. It was, it, you know, it was great to receive it from a prophet, but now it must be received in you. And when you receive the word, you become the word, and the word must take on flesh. Amen. That's why we have no room for calling ourselves a word believer and adulteries in our life, pornographies in our life, fornications in our life, dope and alcohol in our life, mistreating your neighbor in your life, 
raunchy business deals in your life. Come on, it's gonna produce the life and the attribute of Christ. Amen. So seed has got to have water to grow and with, without it, without, a, without that moisture. And, and let me just say, the seed of the word, the message in order for it to produce has to have the Holy Spirit to water it. And not only that, you say, well, I'm predestinated seed, brother Tim, I'm going to make it whether I get the Holy Ghost or not. You'll not do it. Well, you can have the Holy Ghost every day in your life and go to hell. Yeah, terror can, but you can't. It can fall on the just and the unjust. It can fall on the wheat and it can fall on the tear. But without the Holy Ghost, without the moisture, your predestinated seed, no matter how predestinated it is, will never come to life and be germinated except by the Holy Ghost. That's why we got to have a Holy Ghost atmosphere. Amen. Where eagles can be born. Where sons of God can be manifested. That's why we got to have that. Hallelujah. It's got to have the moisture. Hallelujah. Part of that moisture is your praise. You receive the word of God and then you water it with thanksgiving. That's a quote, by the way. So, the, you know, the word was spoken to us in the beginning. That was the spoken word of God. And, and that's the way it originally came there and in the beginning. And then the second time that word was made flesh and dwelt among us. But the third time that it came, it was God coming down into man by the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. Whether you know it or not, whether you know it or not, them in the upper room were filled with the Holy Ghost, the word. What word? The word of Joel chapter 2. For one, this is that which the prophet Joel prophesied of. This is the spoken word now being made manifest. So there again, it was first spoke the word, the enemy come and tore that down when man left the word. Amen. Then the word was made flesh, they crucified him. But now there's a difference in the word. The, the word is become the church and the church is the word. And all that God was, he poured into Christ and all that Christ was, he poured into the church, the Holy Ghost. Now, so you see, he isn't fighting something back there. He's fighting right here against the word made flesh. Now, many people will take the letter and the letter kills. But the spirit give life. They take creeds and, and, and so forth and it still killeth. And when you're taking the spirit, that's God himself. How do you know it's God? Because he's taking the word and manifesting. Amen. Now, again, Brother Branham talks about this. And he says, now, we got several different classes of ministry. In fact, he says, God does. He says, God has two different classes. There are men who God uses to stay home, marry, M-E-R-R-Y, cheer the sick, bury the dead, kiss the babies, marry the young, and so forth like that. And many of those men don't know what it is to pack a sword. And get out here there with a two-handed sword on the front line. They don't know what it is to, to fight 
against the enemy. They get out here and they're smart men, theologians, great men who can stand up, put a sermon together that's so touched up they can just talk with such a language till Webster would hardly know what they're saying. They got degrees and college and that's all right, but when you're talking to an, that's all right when you're talking to an intellectual group that's just looking for a church home, but when you get out here there on the battlefront, where those men have to have more than that. They've got to see the power of Almighty God in manifestation or you'll now sell it to them. They've got to see Christ in his resurrection. Those men don't know what it is to handle a two-handled sword or to fight toe-to-toe with the enemy there where devils and witch doctors and everything else is standing there and challenge you on every hand. Where man who read that, Bible said, if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, let me see the Holy Spirit perform like it did back there. Then you can't take a scholarship and do that. It takes the power and resurrection of Jesus Christ to produce that. And that's what hungry natives look like for. They got to see it and they got to want it. And I'll tell you what, I believe the bride of Christ, that's what they want. They don't just want some, you know, to marry the sick. We want something that'll heal the sick. Not just cheer you up when you're sick. Not just send you a quote of what the prophet said. Come on. We want more than that. We want a power laying there. Hallelujah. When you walk into a hospital room and said, what do you want done with that cancer? Cut his head off. That you know how to use a two-hand, two-handled sword or two-edged sword. Amen. That cuts both ways until the cancer is gone. Hallelujah. That's what we got to have. It's what we must have. That's what kind of bride's going to have. Now, Brother Branham told us, he said, in order to have this revival that is promised, which is a word revival... Then I read that. Then I quote that. A word revival. We can ha- not have that kind of revival until we've got men that are God called. Number one. Not somebody just took up the Bible and went. Not somebody said, "Well, I can do this as good as anybody." You know. Well, I tell you, I, you know, we we got a lot of young, smart men, really smart, intelligent, that can really make nice speeches. But that ain't a preacher. That ain't a preacher. We get confused because we, we've seen too many teachers stand up without the anointing. Now, you know, I, I really don't care what style you have, but let there be anointing with it. I mean, we usually call a, a slow, methodical talk a teaching. But I, I don't really care. You know, Jesus taught. Jesus preached. There was times that his, his voice wasn't heard in the streets. There was other times he shouted with a loud voice. God has got all kinds in the ministry. I'm not belittling any of them, but let it be anointed. That's all I say. Let it be anointed. You see, where there are rugged men of faith. That God has brought up in the rugged 
maintaining, men who's not afraid to face the fire, men who's come in the presence of God, men who knows his omnipotent, knows his healing power, men that's trained to know the living God. So all right, he said to train them by the word, but the letter killeth. So what has happened? Too many, too many have made this into a seminary where the message is taught as a seminary, expounding it as an expositor rather than anointed preaching. Now, the letter of the word without the spirit kills. I don't care how good your intentions are. The children, the children are being fed the corn of the word. Can I give it an illustration like this? Just dry cornmeal. And they're choking on it. It's word, it's letter, it's an intellectual talk, but it's not anointed, it's not mixed with faith. The Bible said that the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So it takes more than just preaching the word. It's got to be mixed with faith. Now, so again, you know why, you know why that dry cornmeal is being fed too often? It's because they're foolish. Foolish, very foolish. They've neglected the oil. Come on. They've neglected the oil. Isn't that exactly what happens? Matthew chapter 25, but we're going to have a crisis in the last day where you'll have virgins without oil. Amen. You'll have pure people, good people without the Holy Ghost. And this message as a law will make good people. But without the Holy Ghost, you're like that rich young ruler. You're not going to heaven. Amen. Come on. You, what is it? You lack the Holy Ghost. Now, let's go along with that and be certain of God. Brother Branham said the oil represents the spirit or means the spirit. We know according to Ezekiel 4 and so on, the reason we anoint with oil is the spirit. John 4, the Father seeketh such to worship him in spirit and truth. Jesus was the truth. He was the meal offering, and this oil was the spirit. And the spirit mixed with the truth has to bring something, put it together, makes a cake. Oh, where's your faith? When God's word is preached in simplicity through its power, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the word goes forth for the meal, you've got the oil to mix with it. It may be just a little handful or spoonful, but whatever it is, it's real. And what it's ready for, it's ready for the cross and for self-sacrifice. That's what you do. If the word's been preached and you got the spirit mixed in it together, it's self-sacrifice to deny every pain, to deny every sickness, to deny everything else that's contrary to the word and stand on it. Amen. Amen. It's like I preached on the Passover. How many remembers the sermon I preached on in Passover? That we are to be in Passover till we leave here. 
Amen. Until the trumpet sounds, till we leave here, we are to be in the house, under the blood, eating the Passover. Amen. And it's not enough to say we have the lamb. It must be roasted with fire. And you don't boil it. Remember? You don't saturate it with Egyptian herbs and, uh, you know, and, and eat it that way. You don't mix in creeds of man. You don't boil it so it, it impregnates the taste of the, of the meat. It, it can't be eaten raw either. It has to be roasted with fire. I'll tell you what's the matter. A lot of times we ain't getting the fire hot enough. The fire is to give the taste to the meat. Somebody help me preach. You can't, the Bible said, do not eat it raw. Too many, too much rawness. Just raw, uncooked, undercooked meat. The Holy Spirit didn't get hot enough in the church. Amen. We need it licking around the word. Coming up on this side, leaving its marks there, sear marks there, giving its flavor. Amen. The word completely preparing, prepared by the Spirit to the hearer. Sirs, we must see Jesus. The pillar of fire must be in our midst. Amen. In testimony on the sea, Brother Bradham tells us, we begin to find out miracles is not taking place anymore like they were. The sick go home sick. And it isn't because of God. It's because of the lack of the revival among the people. There's no revival. Oh, Brother Tim, we, we are not in a time of revival. You, you, that's, you see, that's, that's America who's not in revival. That's the world that's not in revival. Amen. But that's not the bride. We have a word revival. So while they're languishing and dying, I understand that. And I understand why. Because they rejected Christ. Amen. But if we have received Christ, we, we are, should not have lack of revival. This word should be producing revival. Amen. Said there, there's no revival. They sit and listen. They go home and say, well, I guess that was pretty good. Uh-huh. There's not that zeal. There's not that something in the people that should be. And I'm telling you, friends, if this is a word's revival, which it is, then that something ought to be in the people. And that something is the Holy Ghost. And that something should be burning like a fire down on the inside of us. Come on. It should be raging in this bride. It should not be less miracles. It ought to be more miracles. It should be less faith. It should be more faith. It should not be less dynamic. It ought to be enough dynamics to take this bride in a rapture. To change your body, let alone heal your sick. Well, there's no revival. Why? Because you haven't rightly divided the word. There's no revival for the world. There's no revival for the denominations. But I've got news for you. Amen. The seven thunders revealing the seven seals has brought the bride into a revival. Amen. If you're not in revival, you're not bride. Get some oil in your lamp because you're about to be left behind.
Well, Brother Tim, they're gospel preachers there. Now, now listen. He said, preach the gospel. Brother Branham made that clear in Invisible Union. He made that clear. He said, denominations can't take the word, so they cannot fulfill the Great Commission. So they cannot preach the word. You're not preaching the word unless signs are following. In the church, there has to be God moving to be the bride. Now, when a man stands and said he's a gospel preacher and says the days of miracles is past, that is seed of discrepancy. When a man stands and says he's a minister, a pastor of a church somewhere and does not believe that Jesus Christ is the same in every detail except the physical body, same yesterday, today, and forever, that is seed of discrepancy. When he says miracles in apostolic age is past, that is seed of discrepancy. When they say there's no such thing as divine healing, that is seed of discrepancy. And the world is full of it and it crowds out and chokes out the wheat. Oh, Brother Tim, well, you know, that's really not what we should be doing. You know, we, we, we're a word church. You know, we really need to understand the mysteries and, you know, understand, you know, that the Holy Ghost is without sensation. You know, you just don't feel it. You don't even know it. So we have it, and we don't even know it. You have bought yourself into a Baptist lie. That's a boatload of baloney. No. The Holy, the Holy Ghost is not a sensation. It is the person of Jesus Christ manifesting in you the works that he did. Let's quote it right if we're going to quote it. So now, in God of this evil age, Brother Branham tells us what we ought to be doing. Would you like to know? To be continued. I'm going to do this for Brother L. God of this evil age. You know, I, I want to point something out. This is one of the last things God would impart by his messengers. One of the last sermons he would preach to his church. One of the last things the seventh angel said. And he preaches God of this evil age. And she said... He said, she has caused the whole world except the scientific leadership of the educational program that Satan has given to her under the name of a church, the leadership of educational scientific program. I'm picturing to you the God of this world. When she as Eve had the very filling of God's word in her hand and she could have took God's word. But what did she do to that? Instead of tarrying for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, let science prove to her that the Holy Ghost was only for the disciples. And instead of keeping divine healing going, are you with me? When she ought to be now raising the dead and doing great miracles, she has led Satan under the leadership of religious men take the word of God and try to say it was for another age, and she's believed it. And if she hadn't done it, well, that was for Brother Branham. That was only for the messenger. That was for those years. Now we're a word church. They try to say it's for another age, and she's believed it. When the Bible said, these things that I do shall you do also, Jesus said, 
go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We're still creatures. These signs shall follow everyone that believes. She denies every bit of it. She denies all the supernatural. She swapped it for his intellectual conception of the Bible. See the problem? Now, to me, this is so clear. We, we in this day, Brother Branham said, have received a super sign. These signs shall follow them that believe. That's a super sign to a super age. Now, so he says in the super sign, he says, uh, what did Jesus say? Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. How far? All the world. How many? Every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. We that believeth shall not be damned. And, and, and a and a and a conjunction, these signs shall follow them that believe in all the world, every creature, every creation, every creature. I can show you where God put gifts and power in the church. I want somebody to put your finger on a scripture and show me where he took it out, where he took it back from the church. It is a super sign to the believer that we have passed from death into life because we feel the Holy Ghost and see it working in our lives and changing us from what we were to what we are now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So so there again, you know, all our psychology, all our great teachers, our theologians, there's not one living on the earth today that can produce that. It takes the Holy Ghost and him alone. See how important this is, church? We must be the one showing the super sign to the world. But what did we do? We, we've done the temptations like every age. We go a-whoring. Jehovah's bride went a-whoring. I, you know, I'm not... Some of you young people say, well, you're, you're using a bad word. That's bad language. Now, listen, this is Bible. And the Bible tells you of the great whore and her daughter who are harlots in the last days. And these are those who have taken in the seed of man instead of the seed of their husband, Christ. Amen. And any, you know, this is what happens in every age. They go whoring. They start taking in seeds of man. Instead of staying with the pure word. And doing so, you bring forth a bunch of illegitimates. Amen. That's the truth. And Brother Brandon said, Christ's bride has done the same. They, what's the matter? They can't wait. So they have to manufacture something. Now, I didn't want to stop here for a minute. One thing we don't want is a bunch of manufactured Babylonian worship. Don't want it. We don't want some, you know, there again, Azusa Street would start out with the power of God, restoration of gifts and real gifts. And then they forced that and said, you had to speak with tongues. Then they had to manufacture it so they could. We don't want something manufactured. We want real or nothing. Amen. We don't want it. We don't want it forced. We don't want it pushed on people. We, but we want to say what the word said that a bride should be. Amen. So we can have that kind of expectation and produce, put the word in an atmosphere where that will work. I mean, it's with me now. 
So he said, Christ's bride has done the same. They couldn't wait. Remember, Eve couldn't wait for the promise to be fulfilled. She gave her womb to the serpent and brought forth Cain. Couldn't wait. Is that right? They couldn't wait until the spoken word. Same thing happened at, at, at Pentecost. They, I'm talking about 2,000 years ago. After Pentecost, what happened? They started, they started taking in the ideas of man. And they got away from the word and the power of the word. They changed it from, from one God to multiple gods. All kinds of things started happening. Now, they can't wait. They have to manufacture something. They can't wait for the Holy Spirit to come and get in the church. See, they got to have more in their denomination. Now, so, you know, many people might say, well, Brother Tim, yeah, that's your problem. You're just trying to manufacture something. You, you, you got to wait on a squeeze, man, a squeeze, uh, you know, on the, on the third pull. You know, that, let me just tell you, that's the devil telling you that. The token has come. The Holy Spirit, the third pull has come. That's the message. We're not waiting on something to come. It's already come. God's waiting on somebody to believe it and let it manifest in their lives. That's what we're waiting on. We're no longer waiting on God to send the last message through the last age. Come on, we're not even waiting for the last phase of Brother Bradham's ministry. Amen. The third pull was the opening of the word. That's what it was. So we're not waiting on something to come. We already received that. God's waiting on a bride of people to say, we are the people, we are the age, and this is the time. And as far as I'm concerned, the wait is over. I can read it to you in the Bible. Amen. He lifted up his hand to heaven and said that the delay is over. Time shall be no more. The time of what? Waiting for the seven thunders to utter their voices is now over. We are not waiting on that to happen. It's already happened. The word has already come. The mysteries have already been revealed. And you are the mystery of Christ revealed in this day. The bride, the word made flesh. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's get something here. Now, Brother Branham said this of Azusa Street. And I want you to bring it forward to our day. If it had stayed the way it was back yonder 100 years ago or 50 years ago, when Pentecost first started out in this last, this latter day, when the word began to be preached, if it had stayed like that, she probably wouldn't have had over 50 members today. That's right, but they would be blood washed. They'd have the power of God in them. The world would be shaken under her tremendous impact of the word flesh being spoke word by word. Hello. Now, bring that forward for a minute. If we had stayed with the message, as a message community, if we had stayed with the word and its power, the way the prophet of God had it, maybe we wouldn't be a million members 
or whatever it is, two million now that claims to believe the message. But we'd be blood washed. We'd be, the power of God would be in them. And the world would be shaken under a tremendous power, impact of the word flesh being spoke word by word. I tell you, it's time to manifest what we ought to be. I wonder what would have happened if we as a message community would have stayed with the word. We'd have stayed, we have stayed with the mechanics of it. We've learned that. I'm talking about the dynamics and mechanics, the spirit and the truth. We haven't. I'm talking about it as a whole. We haven't. We went on a tangent of all mechanics and no dynamics. But it's going to take dynamics with mechanics or you're going to be earthbound at rapture time. It's impossible to, to go off. A lecture, a dry word, a word without spirit is not going to rapture you. I don't know how people think that you can continue living in a dead church and make a rapture. You're dead. He's not rapturing a corpse. He's taking up living bride. Flesh of his flesh. And life of his life. And power of his power. And spirit of his spirit. That's what he's coming back for. Somebody that matches him. Hallelujah. You know, Brother Branham told us that the first reign was to be a teaching reign. The teacher must come. And he told us again in, in um, the church age book, he said they thought what they had at Azusa Street was a ladder rain, but he said it couldn't be until the prophet messenger who was to teach the word would come. Now, so now as, as we see, we've had the teaching of the word and now because the prophet messengers come. So we've had the former rain. Come on. All right. So, so again, again, he said, he said the second reign is the spirit that comes upon what has been taught and produces the crop. So now we have seen the word is planted. Now, Brother Branham told us, you know, Billy Graham planted his crop and it reaped. You know, a million more in 44. It, it reaped a wonderful group of people who are, are, you know, professors of Christ, who love the Lord, who, who are Bible-believing, Bible-toting people, good people. Billy Graham sowed those kind of seeds. Sowed seeds of ethics, of, you know, of, of, of believing on the Lord, of having faith in Christ. And he sowed those seeds, and he reaped a huge denominational following. Oral Roberts had his seed ministry too. Right? His seed ministry was faith, you know, and believing and trusting the Lord and prosperity and whatever. You plant a seed, even in my ministry, you're going to get blessed. You'll get back. People believed that and it worked. Now, if you didn't have faith in it, well, it didn't work. But that's true. He took that part of the word and made that work. Uh, listen, believing on the Lord is right. Even that God wants to prosper you and bless you is right. But that ain't all the message. 
You got Joel Osteen, guy got a wonderful message of faith. Gets up and preaches faith. Every, every service he preaches is faith, 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 faith. What, what is he doing? He, and they get results. They'll, they'll have healings. They'll have miracles. They'll have things that happen. They get results. They'll get prosperous. They get, you know, uh, compact center, and God's going to bless them, and, you know, 30,000 crowd, and they believe that, and it works. The word will work if it's believed, but it's neither one of them the full word. Come on. But it was the product of two sowers. How many gets with me? Two went down to Sodom and they blinded the eyes of the Sodomite and they called out a people out of Sodom. I know you're going to be disappointed, but some of them will be in heaven. They may not go in the rapture, but they'll be in heaven. And you know what? When I see some of them there, I'm going to just shout all over the place. Some of your godly neighbors are going to receive life at the great white throne judgment when they're judged according to the deeds done in their bodies. But there was another seed sowed to the elect. How many remembers what that message would produce? A promised son. We've been looking for it for 2,000 years. A promised son changed the body in order to receive it. Because Sarah couldn't receive it in a 90-year-old body. And Abraham couldn't give a life in a body now dead. So they had to receive a change in order to get, bring that baby to life. And the church has to be changed. And to have that, there had to be a word sowed to the elect. And Brother Branham said, now it comes in two. He said, it comes with a former rain, which is a teaching rain. And I want you to know the prophet messenger, the teacher has come, and the word was sowed. Hallelujah. But guess what comes after that? The latter rain. The spirit is poured out upon the word that is preached, and it produces sons and daughters. Hallelujah. That's exactly the, the product. Of the latter rain. And that's what this message is. This bride's revival is the latter rain. It is the word in both spirit and truth. So he says, look at the denomination. Look at the Baptists. They got a million more than 44. The, the, you know, that was the slogan of theirs. And then look at the Catholic, how they increased. Look at the denomination. Look at the Pentecostal. What did they, we do? We sowed denominational seeds. We, rede- we reaped the denominational harvest. Brother Aaron was just in Billy Graham's library and saw the witness of the many around the world who were moved by that man's ministry. There was anointing on it. I watched him in a, in a Billy Graham crusade program. I don't know. It was while he had still big glasses. and You know, look back in the 70s. And I think this was in England. and He got up and they had critiqued him, you know. Said that, you know, it's because it, 
George Beverly Shea sang Just As I Am, and it got people emotional. That's why they come to the altar. So, you know, he just got up this time. He had some uh, rock star that had been converted, got up and broke his guitar and sang a little song, uh, you know, still in a rock band. Had a football coach. I think that's a soccer coach there. And, and, and he, he gave, a, you know, how that he received Christ as his Savior. And, you know, just showing, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a good thing. It's a popular thing. You know, Rockstar gets it and, and a ball coach gets it and all of this. And, you know, it's, it's acceptable. And, and, you know, then he gets up and he preaches. And when he gets up and preaches, after he preaches, he said, Now, I'm just going to say, those of you that want to receive Christ as your Savior said, just come stand down here. He said, now don't get out here on the football field and and mess up their turf. We got a place right down here for you. And he explains how to come and, and gives an appeal and just said, just come. And thousands got up out of their seats, out of the stadiums and walked down to the front and confessed Christ as their Savior. You can't do that without an anointing. I'm a preacher. I ain't never had a thousand. I'm a preacher of the message. I never had a thousand people come at once. This is tens of thousands. It was an anointing, anointing of people for an end time harvest. Yeah, they're, they're going to go into the tribulation. They missed the rapture because why? They're missing the token life, the literal life of Jesus Christ. But don't put them out. They're the remnant of the church. They're not the bride, but they're the remnant that is left over that goes to the tribulation. Now, I don't know. I couldn't say which ones of them is going to be saved and which one wasn't. That isn't my job. You know, somebody says, it's not my pay grade. Too often we do that. I don't know why I'm on this right now, but too often we do that. We'll stand at a funeral well. He went to hell. How do you know that? Well, he went to heaven. How do you know that? Amen. Well, you know, his last breath, I don't know what his last breath was. You wasn't there. I wasn't either. I don't know what God will do with him. It really isn't my place to decide. The Bible said all judgment begins, is given to the son. So let Jesus judge it. I don't have to. I do not have to get up or, or be at a funeral and decide whether or not they went to heaven or hell. That's not, that's not my job. My job is to comfort those that mourn. Now, coming back around, let me, let me just say, let's say this. You know, but those are seeds that have been sowed for harvest in the last day. How many believe we're in a harvest? Well, then he said, why, the church ought to be on fire for God right now. If there had been a word seed sowed back there, there would be signs and wonders and miracles, and that church would be together, one heart, one accord, marching towards Zion for the rapture. That's right, but what did we do? 
We've had intellectual speeches instead of the word. We've had reasoning against the word and everything else. And so we have. We've reasoned against the word. It's not time for miracles. We just wait for God to do something. It's not the season for revival. Besides that, the word's already been vindicated. It don't need vindication. That's reasoning, not word. Is that what the apostles said when Jesus left? Now, Jesus had the greatest ministry. That Brother Branham's ministry was actually a repeat of the ministry of Christ. We saw it manifested in his ministry. Now, in fact, to the very thing of the discernment of knowing the thoughts and intents of heart, because it was the word that was coming. So, you know, the thought is the word has already been vindicated. It don't need vindication. How many, how many has heard that in message circles? Raise your hand. Oh, yeah, okay, one, two, three, four. Oh, there's at least a dozen in here. It's already been vindicated. It don't need vindication. Well, now, is that what the apostles said? Jesus had signs and wonders and miracles, and God bore him witness that he was the Messiah, and his word was vindicated. So now we don't need it, and it don't need vindication. So we just dismissed the signs. So in Acts chapter 5 and verse 16, and I'm trying to hurry and bring this down, but he said, also the multitude gathered from the surrounded cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those that were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were healed, everyone, all were healed. So even after Jesus had been crucified, raised back to life again, ascended to heaven, we see the same works that Jesus performed while he was on the earth still taking place through the hands of the disciples. Amen. All were healed. It was with the same intensity, the same power, except now it wasn't in a one-man ministry. It was in a body ministry. That's why I have said all one-man scriptures is over. Amen. Amen. Malachi 4 was a one-man scripture. Elijah was one man. He wasn't a group of people. Revelation 10, 7, that was a mighty, that was the seventh angel. That's a one-man scripture. Everybody ain't the seventh angel. All one-man scriptures have been fulfilled. We saw the ministry of Christ working in a one-man ministry, but now it is a body ministry. I'd like to point out, even when it was a one-man ministry in Jesus Christ, power was still given to the disciples to cast out devils and heal the sick. So even while it was a one-man ministry, there were still others who carried the word. I want to point out to you that in the divine healing campaign, when others saw the works of God, even Brother Brandon said, you are called to do the same thing. In fact, he said, every preacher of the gospel is called to pray for the sick and to cast out devils. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And why wouldn't it? Because Hebrews 13 and 8 says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible said in the book of Romans, the 11th chapter and the 29th verse, that the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. 
He's the giver of gifts, and he doesn't take them back. Amen. They cannot be canceled out. Jesus said the words would be vindicated. That's what he said. He said, for these signs shall follow them that believe. In fact, if signs are not following, you're not preaching the word. Let me read you from Christ the mystery. You know, I have ridden along with preachers and had to quote this quote. I ride along with a preacher that was a, a good friend of mine. We were kind of new friends at that time. But we were going across the mountains driving. He was driving me from one city to another. And I'm being a little vague, so don't identify anybody. But anyway, as we were driving along, you know, we were talking, fellowshipping. And he, you know, he just said to me, he said, you know, I, I just don't, I just believe all those days are past. We have the word now, you know, the message has come and, you know, I'm not looking for anything, you know, things uh, like, like uh, the supernatural anymore. Uh, and I said, um, if you don't mind, let me read you a quote. It's from Christ, the mystery of God revealed. It's a sermon Brother Branham preached after the seals. In fact, where he begins to let us know that the seventh seal is the mystery of Christ coming in bride form. So I, I opened up right quick and I said, and if a man says he's born again and try to place these promises of Christ in this last day to some other age, making him Christ yesterday but not today, then that man or that person has been in a delusion by Satan. So I looked over at him. I said, that's a delusion. That's not the truth. I said, furthermore, let me read the rest of it. And if a man says that he believes that, oh, we believe it, man. We, hey, man, yeah, you know, it just don't work here, but we believe it. If a man says that he believes that and it doesn't manifest itself through him, Jesus said, Mark 16, these signs shall follow them that believed into all the world and to every age, casting out devils and speaking with tongues and all these great manifestation of gifts that would follow that they shall, not they may be, they ought to, they will, and heavens and earth will pass away, but his word won't. Now, the supernatural is going to follow believers. Now, that supernatural may not manifest in you in tongues. It may not manifest you in casting out devils. You know, in fact, the matter is you may not, and I'll just use a quote from the, the shining light. You may never lay your hands on a sick person and they get well. That may never be what you do, but you're still going to be a signboard that Jesus Christ is alive and that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, Sister Shikari in Florence came to Brother Branham and said, Brother Branham, I, can't, I pray and I pray and I pray and I can't cast out devils. He said, Sister, you wasn't called to cast out devils. You was called to pray while others cast out devils. He said, you don't know your place. So everybody doesn't do the same thing in the body. The body's not a big eyeball. So everybody don't see visions. Don't try to have one. 
Don't try to manufacture it. If God has one, he'll give it to you. But live in a place that angels can visit. Live in an atmosphere the supernatural can happen, that God could use you if he wanted to. Is somebody with me? Amen. So again, Brother Branham's asked the question, question answer 64, will every person have this or is this among believers? He said, I like that. He said, it's among believers. He said, no, every individual person won't have it, but it will be among the groups that believe. In the token message, Brother Branham says, these signs shall follow them that believe, not just professors, but identified believers. They may not follow. They probably will. Perhaps they will. Jesus said they shall follow them that believe. Just absolutely impossible for it not to happen. The works that I do shall you do also. That's the identification. Jesus' identification was to manifest the word of God, which he was. So if we are the word, we have to manifest it. There has to be manifestation. So again, I come back around. Until the church becomes both dynamics and mechanics and the spirit of God that moved on him to do the same thing he did. If he hit on 16 cylinders, so will the bride. We cannot be misfiring on one thing. We've got to hit on every cylinder for he said in John 14, 12, he that believeth in me, the works that I do, I'll give him a charge of my dynamics and his mechanics that the world will not be able to withstand it. And I'll raise him up at the last day That's the Easter message, the dynamics and mechanics together. I want you to know that's the real message. Dynamics and mechanics together. Amen. He said, the mechanics without dynamics, no good. Neither is the dynamics without the mechanics. You can scream and shout and jump up and down all you want to and deny this word. It won't do any good. You're just cranking around on the pistons. Got, got to have the spark there. Got the spark there to fly, fry, to fire, but there's no gasoline to fire by. It'll only work as they come together. So one sets still and the other go up. That's the thing, only thing there is to it. You both, it might both look alike. Both claim to be churches. Both claim to be bride. But one has mechanics and dynamics. It brings it to pass of what he said is the truth. Now, I'll just tell you what he said. The dynamics of this church would be. It would be a refilling of the Holy Ghost. I think that ought to be. Everything for us as a word church. Let the dynamics, a refilling of the Holy Ghost, come upon my life. He said we have worked it in a small measure as it has grown up. And they come up like, like a pyramid up toward the, the capstone. But he said when the head comes down upon the body, the full power of the Holy Ghost will lift her up. Till even the dead... In Christ, rise. Friends, we are not just looking for a few little miracles. We're looking for dust, ashes, things that aren't even bones anymore to come together. 
We're looking for a complete total resurrection of even all the way to the Apostle Paul and all the way back through all the ages. Come on, church. We are looking for complete fulfillment in this age. We are a people who is a word church, a word bride, who the word will work in till it manifests him in the fullness of his power. Do you believe it? Then stand to your head to your feet this morning and let's praise God for it. Hallelujah. Well, let's ask him, Lord, pour out upon me your spirit. Amen. Let there be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost that begins with me, Lord. Amen. A refreshing of your spirit, a renewing of the Holy Ghost. Amen. May it clean out all the way from the pulpit to the back. Amen. May it work from the mezzanine to the front. May the whole church become in one mind and one accord. Lord, we need one thing. We need the dynamic power of the Holy Ghost to lift us up. We have the word, Lord. We have the word, but we want it with spirit and truth. We want everything that you promise. We bless your name, Lord. In Jesus' name. Pour your spirit out on me Fall just like the rain Saturate My thirsty soul Come and fall afresh on me Fill my cup again Heal my
myself away so you my life is not my own and my life is not my own to you I belong I give myself I give myself to
Understanding is now in your heart. Just thank him today, church. Thank him that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank him that he is a healer and a deliverer and a satisfier. All that we have need of and so much more. Thank him that he heals the skin diseases. Thank him that he comes and heals sin diseases. Thank him that he comes and moves among us and walks down our aisles and touches us. He don't never leave us or forsake us. He don't leave us all alone, but he's there with us, even in us. Oh, we got a lot to thank him for. We got a lot to praise him for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. How wonderful you are. How wonderful you are. How wonderful you are. Hallelujah. God bless you. If you need to be dismissed, you're welcome to go. Our God.